Schofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, welcome in, Reno. ESPN Vegas, ESPN Reno, Cofield and Company, Silver Sevens. 77-cent beers coming up in about an hour. we got the NFL game with the Cowboys and the Titans on the way. A lot more reaction to Derek Carr and the benching and him walking away from the team and the national reaction. Let's get to the Big Four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. All right, Willie, end of the year. Are you putting together a uh, biggest Vegas story of the year list, sports-wise? I, did, I didn't. It's just that I did it with Adam the other day, and so I said, "Oh, let me." I, and as I, as I, you know, pulled up Mondays to save as and create a new topics list for you, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to keep this just because Steve loves lists." Uh, but I, but he rebutted mine. My biggest local sports story was the Las Vegas Aces winning the WNBA title. His was that the. Final Four was being named the announcement of the Final Four. Yeah, I thought F1 and the Final Four coming combined, probably the biggest story. And here was I mean, not, not an active deal. I mean, it's, it's upcoming events, but it, again, it shows how much sports is expanding right. in the market and how, how many sports that would have never considered us 10, 20, 30 years ago, now we're in the fold. Here's the reason why I argued against it is because five years ago, it was a big deal when the Golden Knights came here. It was a big deal at the NFL. Now, it's not surprising. Like, we're going, okay, when are you going to make the announcement? Like, when the World Cup, right, when they didn't bid for the whatever one is coming next to the United States, when they didn't bid, it was more shocking that Las Vegas didn't bid for it. So, my argument was that, okay, wait a minute. Now we're just sitting waiting for the announcement to come because we know it's coming. We knew the Super Bowl's coming. Like, what's the next big one? The CFP, right? We're waiting for the national championship to come here. So it's not going to be surprising. It's not going to be big news. It's going to be like, oh, okay. Oh, we've been waiting. That's why I didn't think that it was as big. It's big, but okay. Everything's coming to Vegas now. Everything. That's all. I think. It, I think. I thought the Aces deserved to be, for on a local level, be deserved to be recognized as number one. Number three. Golden Knights. They ended a homestand with two wins. Yep. They go to Southern Cal and they lose two. The bigger story out of last night's loss, shootout loss in Anaheim, was that Anaheim goes up 2 nothing. Aiden Hill pulled. First time. This, boom. Yanked. Um, wow. I'm wondering, does that mean Laurent Brassois is coming? Um, I know he had a bad night in the AHL, but he's been – you know, working obviously. Um, does it? Did did he do something to irritate Bruce uh, Cassie because he, he had made mention that it wasn't something didn't look right? Um, was he not prepared? Did he not scout properly? Did he do something to irritate the coach? That the goal, you know, the goalie. Co- what what was it? Was it because you just let two goals in, so all of a sudden you yank them? Now they end up in the shootout and they lose, but. I don't know if that's necessarily the right move to do in December. You were reaching, I think they're 38 games in, right? So they're three games shy of the, the legit halfway point of the season. 
I don't know. I don't know if that was the right move, if it was a message being sent, and I'm not sure who the message was being sent to. Is Hill securely in the rotation as the two? Or is Brossois putting some pressure on him from beneath? Yeah, I think so. Well, I think I think in reality, when Brossois went to the AHL, both of them should have felt the pressure, both Thompson and Hill. I think they've always said, and Hill said, that he's never felt like the number two. He's just felt like it's a rotating one. But I think as the season's progressed, we've seen Thompson's the number one. Um, but I think at this point, with where they're at and how they progressed, it's easy to say that Rousseau is putting the pressure on Hill right now. Number two. Interesting game tonight for the Cowboys yeah. against the Titans. Titans sending some sort of message by going with Josh Dobbs, who just joined the organization, well-traveled, back up in the National Football League. I guess they've seen enough of Malik Willis for now. It's not like the Titans' season is dead. They're still very much in the playoff hunt in that putrid AFC South. Weird spot for the Cowboys. It is, but for them, the good thing for them is that they – now, I don't consider it a bad loss with what we've seen Jacksonville do and the improvement of Trevor Lawrence, but the fact that they were just smacked by an AFC South team – Record-wise, where Dallas is and how that how well they were playing, the wake-up call was served, and I think that it was a good loss in terms of this game here because they're not going to look past the Titans. They're not going to overlook, just like we just got talking uh, with uh, Mark about uh, Mark Willer about the uh, the Forty ers and the Raiders and not overlooking. Dallas is going to come into this knowing how important this game is to both teams. So the fact that they still have a shot at the NFC East, um, they cannot treat this any less than another game against the Eagles, if you will. It's got to be treated like a very important game, and it cannot. It can be a trap game, sure, but I don't think that they. I think that the loss to the Jaguars served notice, and they'll stay clear of being caught in a trap. You taking the Titans plus thirteen and a half? What do you want to do with this number? I'm not playing this game. I think the lines are skewed. I think it's moved. Obviously, with with what Tennessee's doing, but it's just like the San Francisco line. I mean, now, I mean, it makes sense to play the San Francisco 49ers against the Raiders. It makes sense to play Dallas, but why? If they build a lead, if they're up 30 to 13, and then they're just coasting, and then Tennessee scores a garbage touchdown and lands on 10 where it was, eh, I'm not playing that game. Number one. So, Derek Carr bench yesterday. It's going to be Stiddy, Jarrett Stidham, the rest of the way. We're not shocked by this. No one on this show is this week. No. When did you think the beginning of the end was for Carr? Well, I don't know about the think. I don't know about the beginning of the end for Carr, but I knew that there was a disconnect when I was questioning every Monday when we were at our Monday night show, and you would say, "Who are you putting this one on?" And I'd say, "Josh McDaniels," because. We would hear on Wednesdays Derek Carr say, "I'm just doing what, I'm just doing what's asked of me. I'm, I, I believe in Josh McDaniels. I believe in the staff. I believe in that." And then Indianapolis comes in with the high school coach and beats the Raiders. And a sobbing Derek Carr comes to the lectern, and I point blank asked him, Derek. With what you did last year with this team that had multiple distractions off the field 
and you're not able to do this with your best friend in town, in so many words, however I said it, is there a disconnect between you and the staff? He said, I, I don't think so. I, I love Josh. I love the staff. But it was then that it was pretty apparent that they were not on the same page. Now, did I think at that moment that it was the end for Derek Carr with his team? No. But I think, I think we've all been saying this is it. There's a reason that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler did the deal that they did with him, guaranteeing just this season, and it was make or break for Derek Carr. Mark Davis has given the keys to this vehicle to Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, and Derek Carr is not on the ride. And, and it was quite apparent. They were going to have to make an impressive run. And I'm not talking about getting in on a wild card. I'm talking about making a run at the AFC West, winning a couple of games in the playoffs, and proving his worth. Because, as I've said since July, okay, and I've been a supporter of Derek Carr because I've always said, the defense let them down a couple of years ago. Last year, the guy, at least, he, he played leader in the locker room. There's no more excuses for Derek Carr. Your best friend is here. The guy you work out with during the offseason, he's here. You have a talented group. You have Derek, before the injuries, you have Darren Waller. You have Hunter Renfro. You have a Patriots-like look to the team with, the, with McDaniels. There's no excuse. So I got to stand by that, and 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 I still think that McDaniel's has made some atrocious play calls down throughout this season. But we have not seen the best of Derek Carr. Do I think Derek Carr could go someplace and thrive? Absolutely, because I think he could fall into a system that doesn't rely on him making a big play. Maybe maybe a, a, an offense that thrives on a on a rushing game and has a tremendous defense, and he's just got to come up with a down and out some little slot patterns, whatever. He doesn't have to be the big arm. And he can manage a game with a coach that can make the right calls. This just isn't the system, and his time has run its course. Willie is a person who actually feels I'm dead inside. Do you feel bad for Derek Carr? Uh, there's about 32 million reasons I don't feel necessarily bad for him. Right. The only reason I actually feel bad is that he's been the face of the franchise for nine years and then come in and all of a sudden, you know, I kind of empathize with people who have put in loyalty for 10, 12 years, and then all of a sudden everything kind of gets swooped. I know that feeling. Yeah. Uh, reading some tweets on this, someone said, my heart breaks for Derek Carr. He gave his heart and soul for this franchise through some crazy times and got did so dirty by a tubby loser wearing a visor. Sad how this played out. I don't know, man. I just can't feel it. Not that I'm, I'm happy that Derek Carr is probably done with the Raiders. Again, we keep saying, you didn't see this coming? With a new coaching staff, a new GM? They were part of the franchise was ready to move on a couple of years ago to Tom Brady? This should not be a shocker. But Derek Carr does have a gift. He does. Of gaining loyalty from fans. He's got some real stands out there over the years. No matter what he does... People will back him up. How many fans do you think play on the uh, – and I, I don't want to degrade the guy for this or I don't want to knock the guy for this because I, I have a mutual friend who I'm very close with who you know I know is in the ministry. So he does tell me that, Derek, he is into his faith. But how, many, how much do you think he uses it too much and that's pulled fans in, supporters in? I don't know. Again, 
I do believe that he's into his faith with his family and whatnot. I just don't know how much how much he uses it at the right times to sort of save some face. I think he does some things at the right times, though, too. Engender loyalty, and he's done that over the years yeah. strategically. Well, and, I, and it looks like it's off the cuff, but I, I think there's a lot of strategy to what Derek Carr does and the way he speaks and the way he speaks about certain situations. I think last year. Yeah. I think last year he earned his stripes oh, in terms genu- of game look he, he, he with what he did. He yeah. genuinely stood up yeah. in a tough situation. Yeah. Uh, Adam Candy brought this up and was like, you know, basically, hey, uh, it's kind of weird that everyone's, you know, a lot of people are turning their back on Derek Carr. I fired back and said, well, you know, as the CEO of the franchise, it's not easy to step up in those situations. Right. But you're probably supposed to do it. Yeah. Well, So pat on the back, but that is what you are. It is the smallest part, not that you expect to have a Henry Rugg situation, but it is the smallest part of your duties when you're making 35 to $50 million and you're the face of the franchise. And let's not forget that after the Gruden ordeal, it came out that right they live on the same block, and he pulled up to him as it. Remember, remember that, and he was driving. He, one of them was driving, the other one was running or something in the in the neighborhood. And he said, "What's up, coach?" or whatever it was. With rugs, he came out and said, "It's wrong. We feel for the woman, yes, but this is our brother. This is our little brother. So someone's got to be there for him. Someone's got to love this guy." Regardless, you just don't all abandon. So with what he did and with the pressure, he said, "You know what?" Yeah, last year he said, "I will take the burden of taking on everything," and he stepped in that locker room and he was the leader. Last year is where we saw the medal of Derek Carr. It's Cofield and Company live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on, talking Derek Carr, talking Raiders. By the way, the game tonight, you know, Josh Dobbs is in for Malik Willis. Yeah. The reason, essentially, Tennessee only has the division to play for, and next week is a game against the Jags. So that's it. So tonight, now, Willis out, Dobbs in. Also an active for this game, Derek Henry. Christian Fulton, multiple offensive linemen, Autry on defense, Simmons on defense. So anyone, any key player ain't playing tonight. What a, by the way, what a deal Amazon signed up for. Holy crap, these Thursday night games, and this is what they get as the wrap? So you're telling me to make that text now. For what? Put that bet in. (laughs) That I just got to say no. I know, right? We just said a couple minutes ago. But that that news was down a little while ago. I hadn't hadn't seen it until... uh, this last break. So just to explain the scenario tonight again, Titans have nothing to play for, so they're playing it smart. It sucks for the fans yeah, in Tennessee. You know, we're going to be out there, and I didn't even look up what the weather is tonight in Nashville. I'm sure it's gotten better versus the freeze and the power outages of the earlier in the week. So Derek Carr benched. Stiddy's going to start. Derek Carr away from the team. And now we start to think about hey, what's in the future for the Raiders at quarterback? And what's going to happen with Derek Carr? What can the Raiders actually get for him, if anything, on the trade market? Q Myers, our buddy of on Raider Nation Radio 920, went on the ESPN National Morning Show and was talking about Derek Carr. 
he said many times that he, he wouldn't play if he wasn't a Raider, and I actually hold him to it. He's got way more things that he cares and loves than just football. He could be a preacher, be a golfer. I mean, he could just sit there and chill. I think that that's what's really going to happen. I don't think he plays anywhere next year. Wow. Okay, we got to address that. Um, here's Q imparting some knowledge on national radio because so many people have kind of missed the mark on this one that this isn't a quarterback done dirty. This is a business move. They want to move on. They don't want to get locked into giving him – guaranteed money uh, next year and beyond. Here's Q Myers with Keyshawn, Jay, and Max. Yeah. There's a couple different things that are in play here, and one obviously is finances, right? I mean, the $40 million that is guaranteed if he gets injured over the course of the next two games, and so uh, that was uh, the massive uh, that was the, the biggest reason why this is happening right now. But also, I mean, he hasn't played very well, right? The last four or five games, he just hasn't been that good. 55% completion percentage, nine interceptions. He leads the league in interceptions. It just doesn't look like, if you look at his body language from Christmas Eve when they lost to the Steelers, just doesn't look like he's comfortable. And so it felt like after that game that a divorce was coming close. And, well, ultimately on Wednesday uh, when the finances were brought into it, and, you know, I know the Raiders still have a mathematical chance of making the playoffs, uh, but a very, very slim opportunity. Just felt like it didn't make any sense, and so that's why Josh McDaniels and company pulled the trigger. Yeah, our own Q Myers from Raider Nation Radio on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. He was talking to Amber Wilson and uh, Jason Fitz, who were in for the boys. Um, it makes sense. The one thing I will say, he said, well, let's not forget he hasn't played well. I got news for you, Steve. That just made it easier for Josh McDaniels to pull the plug because if they were out of the playoffs and he had played well – and the season was a drop, McDaniels, the, the tune would have been different. The tune would not have been, well, we took a look at things and we don't like the way the offense is. The tune would have been, you know what, this is a chance to get a look at Stidham, let him get some playing time. Derek's done what he's done, but we're not in the playoff. Blah, blah. He'd have come up with something else. Derek Carr's play over the past couple of weeks in frozen Pittsburgh and whatnot, he just made it easier for them. That's all. The plan, this plan was in it. They were waiting for this. Yeah. Not that they wanted the team yeah, yeah. to fail, but this, he yeah, made it very easy. plan. If it doesn't yeah. work, we're moving on. Yeah. But they were moving on anyway. The way that this season unfolded, the way that Carr has played down the stretch, the way that everything has taken shape, it's played into their hands. Regardless, like I said before, it was going to take – a run at the AFC West, a couple of playoff wins for them to actually say, well, we're still going to move on because he's not working. Like if Josh Jacobs ran for 1,800 yards and, you know, and, and whatever, I mean, and it was, it was the rushing game and it was the defense and they're, you know, they're getting by that way, then okay, but that wasn't going to be the case. If they were going to make that run, Carr was going to have a good season. It had to play out the way that it's played out and it just worked into his hands, to, into McDaniel's hands, to do it this way this week. Here's former NFL voice Ross Tucker further reacting to the Raiders and the move they made with Derek Carr. I mean, talk about roster building. You bring in a receiver because he wants to play with like his best friend, and then you're going to bench the quarterback. How is that going to go over with Devonta Adams? That's not like long-term planning. There, who are they going to get that's better than Derek Carr? Good luck with that, Raiders. Yeah, I don't know that the plan is to immediately get someone who's better than Derek Carr. And then anyone who thinks that's that's the goal here, no, the goal is a quick rebuild. They're going to have to draft a quarterback. They're going to need a bridge to hold down the quarterback position for a year or two. Now, can they upgrade with some, you know, dream 
veteran, all-time great scenarios? Yeah, it's possible. Could Tom Brady land in Vegas? Yes. Is he better right now at 45, 46 years old than Derek Carr? Yeah, I think so. Could a wild one happen? Aaron Rodgers says, hey, I want to play another year, but I want to get the hell out. I don't know how the Raiders would make that work financially. You know, who knows? Maybe Carr gets traded to Green Bay and Rodgers comes here, but whatever. I don't have all the contract details. But there's there's a good chance that they either go lateral or down at quarterback, and the goal is not next year but the year after in terms of getting back to the playoffs. Uh, I might debate you on right now Tom Brady at his age if he's better than Derek Carr. Now, does he bring a resume that's better than Derek Carr? Sure. On paper, does he look like he's better? But I've watched some primetime games this year where some throws that he's made are just as questionable of Derek Carr's. And I will stand by that there have been a couple of horrific games and decisions made by Derek Carr this year. But I'm not putting all the losses on him. I'm putting them on play calling down the stretch, changing your game plan when one thing's working and you get away from it, playing prevent when you're not supposed to. The fact of the matter is... I've sat here and watched the Amazon games. I've watched some games where the Buccaneers are on because of Tom Brady, and he's made some terrible decisions. In the past, he's a better decision maker. He's been a better quarterback, sure. But I don't know if Tom Brady is the answer and the end-all to be-all. The same way I said the same thing about Russell Wilson. Tom Brady coming here doesn't mean that the Raiders are going to win a Super Bowl. I got news for you. I hate to disappoint you, Raiders fan, but there's a lot. Tom Brady doesn't play defense. Tom Brady doesn't play safety or cornerback. Everybody was clamoring about Chandler Jones prior to his big sack day and then prior to him stiff-arming Mac Jones. Everyone had a problem with him. So unless Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers can play defense, just – Let's just let's just take a break here before you bring in the veteran guys. All right. To fire, Let me get my water. To fire back, I haven't watched every play that Brady has played this year. So you know what I'm going to lean on when we talk about players and how they've played. PFF. And those are the numbers, yes. Okay. And on PFF, Pro Football Focus, yeah. Derek Carr right now is checking in if you take out the guys who aren't qualified, at about the 29th rated quarterback in the NFL. Okay. Tom Brady is nine. That's an improvement. And you're right. You're right. Brady won't win here unless they can also fix up the offensive line and improve on defense. So going from Carr to Brady doesn't immediately fix everything. They have to make some other really savvy moves. They're going to have to pull some rabbits out of the hat or hats and make things work money-wise to fix the rest of the roster. But my whole point was, when a guy like Ross Tucker's like, who are you going to find upgrade? This isn't about an upgrade next year. They might be able to upgrade. It's Chances are it's probably going to be more closer to someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. You'll find those bridge quarterbacks, someone who can play for a couple of years, and they're going to have to draft a quarterback. Someone who can mentor whoever they draft. Yes, who's going to want to help, because there are some guys who don't want to help either. The one name, except his contract dictates otherwise, the one name that just remains intriguing that I would absolutely love to see here in Las Vegas and would love to cover will be Lamar Jackson. I, I, think, it's, I think it's a stretch. I think the contract is out of the realm. But 
You never I know mean, what, with Mark. What, what would have to happen? Is this a, is this a is this something prompted by Lamar Jackson to the point where he's like, okay, if you're going to franchise me and you won't sign me long term, I'm sitting out. Yeah. Because people have tried to do that before. It didn't work. Well, he's his own guy, right? Isn't he the one with his, him and his mom are yeah. making his deals? Yep. yep. So, I, I mean, if he's not happy there and he wants to leave and they say no, then, yeah, I guess he would. But, I mean, is he going to sit out? Is anybody really going to sit out? Everybody's a threat. Le'Veon Bell did. Okay. I'm t- we're talking quarterbacks. Well, I mean, the, you know, I think there is going to be a quarterback at some point with the money they make, even when they don't have a long-term contract. Because uh, they've made it and they're sitting on that money? Yeah. Okay, well, until then, I mean, I think it'd probably have to be your second big deal, not before your first. But that's the only way that thing blows up. Yeah. Because they, they have the rights to them. They, they, don't, right. they don't have to do anything. And if they don't want no. to sign them long-term... The NFLPA are the ones who keep negotiating these stupid deals mm-hmm. where you have the rights to a guy for at least a couple of years and you can just franchise tag him. You make good money for a year, but it doesn't do anything for long-term security. I mean, what's going on right now with Lamar Jackson? Again, I don't want to you know, get on the guy for and question how hurt he is, but is part of this, hey, you know what? I'm okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait until I am 100%. Because you guys want to wait on signing me long term, I'll wait too. Oh, that was a big mistake. You had a team that went through a lot of turmoil with Ruggs, John Gruden, and this team still made the playoffs. And every game they fought their tails off. It is really hard to make it to the playoffs in the National Football League. And they did it with an interim special team head coach that, you know, guys bought into. And here we got a guy that's been fired by the Broncos. He's been under Belichick all those years, those rings, and we bring him here, and we got worse. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Our buddy Mark McMillan uh, on Barton Hahn on ESPN New York. So we were just talking about Derek Carr and his future. You mentioned something that I talked about yesterday. What are spots when people start putting together a list for where Derek Carr can land? What are spots that you've seen where you're like, nope, not a good match? First and foremost, the Jets. I just don't think that it's I, – I, it, well, let me – first and foremost, the Jets because of a number of reasons. But I make it number one because I don't think that – I don't think that he's a Big Apple guy. I don't think that the, the media – I don't think it's his – I just don't see it. But any place that's cold weather yep. is a no. I've seen the Commanders, nope. Titans, nope. I don't – I mean, we just got done talking about leading up to – the, the uh, Steelers game, records upon records. I tweeted out a record. Josh Dubow tweeted out records, stats, what he's done in cold weather. Can you adapt and learn if you are if you have no choice? Sure. But I just don't see it happening. Now, uh, and, 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 and Vikings has been brought up. Yeah. Now, that's indoors. Yeah. That's indoors. But nevertheless, does he want to live? you got to think of Derek Carr. He's a family guy. Where does he want to raise his family, too? Because that will be a major decision-making thing for him because he's at the end. He's now on the downside of his career. So the big move for Minnesota is to move on from Kirk Cousins to Derek Carr. <laughs> really? That's what it, yeah. Isn't it basically the same guy? Yes, but that's what's been brought up. Our, uh, our buddy Joe Arrigo covers a lot of UNLV football put out a list of teams that could have interest in a trade for Derek Carr. Commanders, you say no. Nope. 
Tampa Bay. That would now that would be intriguing, right? If Brady ends up here and he ends up there, and it has nothing to do with the trade, how wild would that be? Detroit. You know, I can see that working as the bridge to the next guy. I could also be interested in I, Jared Goff at a discount and just move forward with Goff for a few more years yes. until whoever you want to get is ready. Yeah. Why? I mean, why? If I why? can have Goff around for say twenty million a year instead of two Carl? more years, yeah. Okay. No, I, because it's working. This dude put put a chip on his shoulder by getting shipped out of L.A. with the raw raw coach that Dan Campbell is. They're having fun. Yeah. Whether they make the playoffs or not, Detroit is having fun. That's what you. That's the the, the mindset that this team has had during this run. They're having a great time. And I agree with you. Uh, other teams on this list. Uh, Rigo didn't list the Giants, but he's got Jets. I'll throw in the Giants. New England. He can't play in markets like that. No. The stuff that he he's not going. The stuff that he wants to micromanage and sweat with the media would drive him off the freaking cliff. No, and and, and they're a mess. I, I don't care what anyone tells you. I mean, Belichick's Belichick, but they're a mess as it is with the offensive play calling. What's going on? I mean, you don't know what's going on there. We there's no clue what they're doing. Mac Jones. I, I and if I was Derek Carr, I wouldn't want to go there. He needs to land in a city like I got a place for you: Atlanta, New Orleans, or Detroit, or even Tampa. Maybe Tennessee. I think Tennessee and Indy would be good spots. I got one. But any anywhere that has an intense media presence that is going to sick you. When you you know when you get a bit dramatic and will bring back your words from the past, where's your spot? How about where there's going to be a new coach next year, and I don't know if the starting quarterback is locked in and he's injury prone, and it's warm. Hello, Arizona. I could see Derek Carr playing for the Cardinals. Rebuilding with a new coach and teaching some being a bridge guy. And that's a situation where what? Cars cut? I don't think they can bring him in for $33 million a year. Just remember, it wasn't that long ago that everyone had him on the hot seat. All of that has changed. The narrative surrounding Michigan has completely changed. So much so that I believe Michigan is now the team in the Big Ten to beat. And if Jim Harbaugh can cement that with a national title, I think he will elevate the program beyond the Big Ten and certainly back on the national stage at the highest level. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. All right, Brad Powers is up with us here on this Thursday, Silver 7, 77 cent beers coming up for the Cowboys and the Titans. We'll get his leaner like. Well, let's get right into it. Brad, how the hell do you bet a game like this? Or you just stay away? Is you know, you have the information here that the Titans basically are saying we don't care about the game. Dobbs in a quarterback, bunch of key players, including Derrick Henry, are sitting. What do you do with an NFL game like this? Oh, man, it, it's tough, but, I mean, obviously it's moved about as far as the point spread moved uh, from the look ahead last week as much as any point spread in the NFL this entire season. So, uh, you know, it is a short week. I mean, it's a Dallas team that, that, that has struggled in a big favor role, including almost losing outright to Houston just a few weeks ago. Uh, but man, if I can find a 14 with a low total, I'm going to lean Tennessee. Brad Powers on the horn with us. You know, Brad, you, you follow sports. You have opinions on what happens. This isn't necessarily a, a gambling angle here, but what was your reaction to the Raiders moving on from Derek Carr saying, hey, we're going to bench him, and then Carr's like, I'm leaving the team? <laughs> 
I mean, not stunned by it. Stunned that, you know, it didn't happen after the season. The fact that it's happening with a couple games left is a little bit surprising. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Derek Carr guy, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to be crying tears over it, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm probably less of a, a McDaniels guy, so I, I don't know what the direction is. Obviously, they're going to have to go out and probably get a bet uh, and uh, see if they can have an upgrade. I can tell you this, a lot of the young guys, uh, there's not going to be a lot of guys that can come in and be as good as Derek Carr if you're looking for a guy, you know, as a rookie or a first- or second-year player. And we were just talking during the break about, say, like the Texans. Uh, they draft a quarterback high with a one or two pick. Is that guy going to play right away? Or there, there are some guys in this, if they're drafted in the top five, they're going to play right away in this draft, right, some of the quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, I think a Bryce Young is a type of player. I mean, even despite his small stature, is a guy that, that comes in and probably starts immediately. Uh, how many other guys are in this draft class that are able to do that? I'm not sure. I'm, I, I don't like Will Levis. I think he's overrated. Uh, C.J. Stroud's got a big data point coming up uh, here on Saturday to, to see. I mean, I, in some of the big games, I, I just don't think he has you know, that, that quote-unquote dog in him where, where he's taking over a game against a big-time opponent with Steve what he can do against Georgia. So, no, I think there's one guy that literally can come in and start immediately at the NFL and then be Bryce Young. Just to go back to your comment on McDaniels, why are you not a McDaniels guy? Well, I mean, let's start with his last co- head coaching spot. Uh, I mean, a nightmare of what, what happened in Denver. And then, I mean, he I thought he had uh, enough talent with the Raiders this year to, to be a playoff team. And, and when you make history in the NFL, considering it's been around for 100 years, and that history being in very negative, that being the fact that you blow, you know, the first team in NFL history to blow four double-digit halftime leads. I just, not, not a fan, I'll put it that way. College bowl games, what do you do with Washington plus three against Texas? Well, I lean Washington. I did bet Washington. I mean, it's no different than, than a lot of these bowl games. I mean, the lines have been out for three weeks. I mean, you could have had Washington as high as six. Heck, you could have had three and a half yesterday, the three being a key number, but... Uh, I'm going to lean Washington, and the reason being is, I mean, I'm just not sure how dialed in Texas is. I mean, without B.J. B. John Robinson, uh, their backups out, several other players are out for them, uh, and it's all on Quinn Ewers, and that's probably the, the, the major thing for me. I mean, I just, I, I not like what I've seen from Quinn Ewers, even when he had, you know, B. John Robinson, they could hand it off to him. Without him, he just doesn't have a security blanket. So, I'm going to lean Washington. Although, kudos to another Big 12 team with a bunch of opt-outs. In this game currently going on, I mean, Oklahoma's responding. Speaking of Brad Powers, Brad, did I miss something? I could have sworn that when I drove down here earlier, UCLA was still 5-6, unless I misread it, but it's now 7.5-8? Yeah, you know, you did not misread it. Uh, a lot of money on UCLA today. I agree with it. Uh, but, you know, I did a few shows even yesterday and said, hey, if there's one play on the board, UCLA. Reason being that I thought it would move. I mean, you just got clarification uh, that that DTR is going to play. I mean, there was a lot of skepticism just you know about a week or so ago. You know whether or not DTR might probably wouldn't play for UCLA. On the other side, it's also a fade against Pittsburgh. I mean, of all of the bowl teams, I would argue that Pittsburgh has the most opt-outs as far as critical key guys. I mean, they have as many as nine starters out. All four of their team captains for Pittsburgh. Opted out of the game. I just if DTR is playing for UCLA and you got a Pittsburgh team with a backup quarterback already, you know, shorthanded, 
uh, not a good offense to begin with. They just can't keep pace. So yeah. I agree with the money on the Bruins. Kind of weird, huh? Pat Narduzzi talking about players in the portal all the time, and uh, a lot of his guys are like, yeah, we're done. Hmm. Funny how that works. Yeah, it's funny. He's always talking about it, and yet, uh, yeah, look in the mirror. I mean, his culture seems to, to not be that great. I mean, Kenny Pickett opted out of the big bowl game last year, too. Notre Dame and South Carolina, what are we doing here? Three with the Irish. A lot of money came in on Notre Dame. You know, I'm not surprised by it just because, look, Notre Dame's got key opt-outs. Their best player on offense, Michael Mayer, is out. Best player on defense, Isaiah Foskey's out. That got priced in, and I did bet South Carolina a couple weeks ago at five and a half and four and a half. The problem is you would think South Carolina off two big momentum-type wins over Tennessee and Clemson, and they're playing Notre Dame. Uh, you'd think they would be fired up, and yet South Carolina's got like eight starters out that opted out of this game. I still think they got the quarterback edge with Spencer Rattler. Uh, Circa's got three and a half right now. I would lean South Carolina three and a half, but right now I, it's kind of a no bet. There's a lot, so much uncertainty. What um, What do you think about the rumors now? You last week you shot down the Grayson McCall transfer rumors, a quarterback to Notre Dame. What do you think of Sam Hartman? Oh, I think Sam Hartman's you know the the best quarterback in the transfer portal. So I mean, if he goes to Notre Dame, uh, it would be. I mean, I would upgrade Notre Dame's power rating by three and a half four points. So Ooh. I don't. I'm not sure that there's a player in college football that can, you know, improve a, a team's power rating, at least at the power five level, as much as Sam Hartman can do for that Notre Dame quarterback room. So that would get two big, big thumbs up for me. All right, Brad, let's uh, jump to New Year's Eve. Let's do it. Peach Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, national semifinals. Who you got? I'm going to go with both Big Ten teams, believe it or not. I'm going to, first in the first matchup, uh, chronological order, I'm going to take Michigan, lay the seven and a half, to play against a TCU team that I think has been overrated most of the season. Box scores don't necessarily match the, the the final scores in a lot of their games. I just think Michigan's offensive line really leans on that three three five defense in the second half. The other game, probably even a bigger surprise, that I'm taking the Buckeyes. I just think the market downgraded them and threw them in the trash too much. Dismal performance against Michigan. Uh, I just think you know Ohio State's one of those type of programs when you know the, the chips are down and you get them in that very rare underdog role. They, they really step up. You don't believe me? They, they've been in this role a couple of times in the, during the playoffs. They beat Alabama outright as a touchdown plus underdog. Just a couple of years ago, they were a touchdown plus underdog against Clemson, won that game outright. So I'm not saying they're going to win the, uh, the game outright, but I, I would be shocked if Ohio State doesn't play an A game. All right. Well, that leaves us with the Cotton Bowl. Tulane, USC. USC coming off that disappointing showing in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, Caleb Williams, of course, he uh, he left that game. U- USC laying in low chalk. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a one-factor handicap, and it basically is how healthy is Caleb Williams. If he's close to 100%, even with some offensive line guys out, Jordan Addison out, I think the line would be a little bit short. If Caleb Williams is not uh, close to 100%, uh, I I don't know how you can bet USC. The line's telling you Tulane's the sharper side. So uh, as you get closer to kickoff, be watching the beat reporters and, and then the breaking news there. Uh, I'll be positive and say that he went plays, and uh, I'm going to lean SC, but we're talking pizza bet, uh, frozen pizza bet. I'm glad you mentioned follow the beat reporters. I think it's a very underpublicized thing. You can get a lot from the people who are around these programs all the time. 
Yeah, you can. I mean, people ask me, well, who do you follow? Who do you listen to gambling-wise? I'm like, I mean, I don't have much time as it is. If it's anybody, it's these beat reporters that can get injury info uh, to me, you know, quicker than just about anybody. Uh, if you don't have time to do that, to, you know, to, to create certain, you know, beat reporters lists on your Twitters and stuff, uh, on Twitter and stuff like that, I mean, follow some of your sharper books. I mean, the, the, the market, usually the first book that's going to get hit is Circa just because they have the biggest limits. So, and then the rest of the market will copy. So, you know, keep an eye on that if you see a movement there. Uh, then, then rest assured somebody knows something that the rest of the market doesn't. Uh, two more games on the way before we get you out of here. i got to do a giveaway right now, though. We have a great giveaway, two tickets to check out the Knights and Florida. That's coming up on Thursday the 12th. You can grab your tickets at AXS.com. But the Fortress with the Knights and Florida, that's Thursday the 12th, 7 o'clock. Call her 7 right now. Talk to Ari, 364-1100, 364-1100. Um, Willie was suggesting we're done. No, we have to cover... The anomaly that is the total and the first half total. What are you doing with this game right now that is sitting at a freaking, is it 31 or 31 and a half with Iowa and Kentucky, which apparently, you know, Iowa wasn't very good offensively, but they're down some of their weapons. What are you doing on this game? I, I'm going to take Iowa because I think the best unit by far on the field is their defense, number one in the country in yards per play allowed with so much uncertainty. I mean, I can I think I can trust Iowa's defense. So I, I would lean Iowa. Total, believe it or not, I would oh. lean pizza bat again over. I just think you need perfection. You can't have turnovers. Well, what do uh, the, the, both teams have backup quarterbacks? What do backup quarterbacks do turn the football over so if you're setting up a team for short fields all it takes is a couple turnovers and you can go over this total even though it could be you know a snail pace type of game so uh it's the lowest total we've seen in college football in at least 15 years so i'm gonna lean over could be sloppy uh playing in a field uh, two games after an nfl game is being played there could turn out to be like the uh dramatic moments of like all the right moves right um all right last one <laughs> last last one uh do you expect Bama to be max motivated to at least send a message or, you know, because I'll use the term that you know, we used to use on Fox Sports Radio National all the time, because their dream was killed during the season. What, do you, what kind of Alabama team shows up laying seven against K-State? Yeah, trademark dream crusher. Uh, I, I don't think they have to be 100% motivated to, to win and cover this game. The fact that, you know, they're, the guys are playing, Bryce Young and Will Anderson – that they're more motivated than what people expected originally. And I just think matchup-wise, Kansas State's not that you know, team that's going to beat them vertically with, you know, and really spread them out like what Tennessee did to them earlier this year. I just think, man, if it comes down to line of scrimmage, I trust Alabama. So I, I think six and a half is a little short here, so I'm going to lean Crimson Tide. Brad, what do you actually do on New Year's uh, Day when you're watching the championship games? Are you live betting or you just kind of have your stuff in and you're done? Yeah, uh, good question. You know, it really depends on my – I don't have too big a position on either game as of right now, so uh, it just depends if I can get in front of an injury or how the game flow, if I think there's some value. Uh, pr- probably not much, to be honest with you, as of right now. Brad, you are the man. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you. All right, thank you. I didn't pull it once on the show today with our regulars. Talk to you next year. Yeah, oh, yeah. Not one time. All right, thanks for Rito for checking in. Thanks to Silver 7 for hosting the show. You can check out the archives of all three hours at lvsportsnetwork.com.